are listening to the Central Students Podcast. To learn more about Central Students, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net slash students. So like I said, last time I uh, was able to, a month ago, um, which means that like, now I preached on Sunday morning a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, um, which was cool, but like, I haven't gotten to preach to you guys uh, in a while. So, and personally, I enjoy preaching to you guys uh, a lot, you know, so, because I don't, you know, you guys, I feel like you guys don't judge me, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, because if I say something stupid, you guys are like, hey, he didn't mean it, you know? Uh, no, hey, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to, uh, that's a terrible way to introduce a sermon. Hey, if I say something stupid, no. Uh, sorry, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, and we're gonna be in uh, chapter four, and starting at verse 16, or sorry, verse 14, verse 14. So uh, if you haven't been with us, we have been going, uh, we've been doing a series through the book of Hebrews, uh, and we've been doing a, book, a series through the book of Hebrews, and I think that, um, you know, when you, there's, if you've ever read the book of Hebrews, there's a lot of stuff in there that can be very difficult to understand, right? So what, what I'm going to attempt to do tonight is to take something that seems complicated on paper and make it to where we understand it practically, okay? So something that I, but I want you guys to know about me, though, is that I love, like, I love TV shows uh, that have, like, a story. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, SpongeBob is my favorite show, I feel like, ever. Uh, yeah, whoop, whoop, okay? Big trust, right? So, yeah, so, yeah, so um, I, I, I really enjoy SpongeBob, but I, my favorite shows, really, are shows that have, like, a story that go throughout. So, like, my wife has really gotten me into the show Friends, uh, I really like uh, Friends. Um, I really like, uh, but my favorite show is probably The Office. Uh, yeah, I love The Office. Um, and uh, it's so funny. I get like one of two reactions when I say I like The Office, right? Either people are like, yeah, you're awesome, or people are like, oh, another one, okay? Uh, but I also really, really like movies that do the same thing. So I like movies that like, continue a story throughout. So like, uh, if you know me, you know I am a massive Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars. Uh, yeah, I love Star Wars. I love Lord of the Rings. Um, and something that my wife has gotten me into recently is uh, I actually really, really like Harry Potter now. Uh, it's really cool. So, but, but when we're talking about like a, a series of movies and TV shows that continue a story for a long period of time, and it's just this, like, this amazing epic, there's nothing that compares to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, for those of you... So, but, uh, yeah, it is, the, it, you're right, it is the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse now. Uh, uh, hopefully that's not a spoiler to anybody. And if it is a spoiler, you need to catch up, all right? Live your life. All right, but anyway, uh, but, you know, so when I talk about uh, the, the MCU, or MCM now, I guess, uh, you talk about, like, over 13 years of movies, and they're still going, right? Over 13 years of movies, and they're still going. Uh, it is, it's, a, it's an incredible achievement in, film, in filmmaking, if you're honest, you know? So, and as it's grown in popularity, people who maybe weren't as interested before, it's become more and more 
popular, more and more a part of mainstream culture. And what's happened is people have wanted to try and join in, right? They tried to hop on the bandwagon because like, hey, let me see what this is all about. But here's what I want you to know is in order to find out what this is all about, you got to go all the way back to the beginning. Don't try and hop on halfway, okay? Go all, yo, show some respect, all right? Go all the way back to the beginning and start with Edward Norton's The Incredible Hulk, okay? Yeah, yeah, the real Incredible Hulk, the real Hulk, um, not, not Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's good, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? So you got to start all the way, and then you go through like 20-some-on movies, right? And not only, not only that, but you also have to go through all of the shows now because Disney Plus is just cranking stuff out like it's, like it's going out of style, right? So, but, and, and so you have all the stuff that you have to do to catch up. Now, I know people, I know people who you want to know what the first Marvel movie they watched was? And, no, Infinity War. Close. Okay. Right? That was the first movie they watched was Infinity War. And you know what happened, right? As they're watching Infinity War, sorry, this rain is really loud, so can you guys, you guys still with me though, right? All right. So as, we're, as they're watching Infinity War, like they're entertained, right? I mean, it's entertaining, right? Because what you see is like, man, like those action scenes are pretty legit, okay? And here's the thing. I don't care if you've been watching Marvel movies since the time you were a child or if it was your first movie, but seeing Thor show up in Wakanda is pretty iconic moment, okay? And if you've never seen the movie, if you've never seen the movie, catch up, live your life. I love you, okay? But here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? So it's a really cool thing but they, don't really under, they didn't really understand what was going on. Like 80% of the movie, they have no idea what's going on. They're like, why does the red guy have a pebble in his forehead? And why is this going on? And why is this going on? And what I've noticed is that, you know, be, you know, because they didn't go back, because they don't have any foundation in what's going on, they're entertained, but that's all it is. Right? They're not really, like they're invested a little bit, but their investment is not nearly what it should be. Right? If you're going to sit and watch a three-hour movie, you would think that you would want to know what's going on. And some of you are like, what in the world does that have to do with what we're going to read today? Because I think it's important for you to understand that I see the exact same thing that we just talked about. I see that playing out in the lives of young Christians today. I see that playing out in the, in the lives of young Christians today. And some of you are like, how so, Mike? I know what feels weird. I always put this off to the side. Uh, I feel better now. Okay. I was like trying to figure out what was up there. Okay. Some of you are like, okay, what's the big deal? I don't understand. But I see this being played out in the lives of young Christians today. And here's how. Is that their understanding of the gospel and their understanding of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ starts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's where they're understanding, and some of you in this room, that's probably where you're at, right? Your understanding of the gospel and your understanding of a relationship with God starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So many Christians avoid the Old Testament. I've heard so many Christians say that the Old Testament doesn't really matter anymore, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. We don't really need to focus on I'm taking a class in seminary right now called Introduction to the Old Testament, all right, so maybe I'm a little bit more passionate about this now uh, than I normally would be. But here's the thing that we have to understand is that if it's in the Bible, it's important. Right? A lot of times we just like to skip certain things. We're like, oh, Old Testament, nah, just fast forward me to Jesus and then I'll be interested. We especially like to skip certain parts in the Bible such as areas in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. We all really, really like to skip those parts. Right, the books of laws and instructions, they can be hard to read, if we're honest, they can be hard to read. 
right? It can be hard to kind of trudge through there as God's, you know, as you see like the instructions for the tabernacle and the, and the laws for different sacrifices, right? And you're like, oh my goodness, like I feel like I'm reading the same thing over and over again. And it seems like it's taking forever. So what do people do? They just skip it. And if I'm being honest with you, I bet every single person in this room, including me at one time, we just decided to skip that section. We just skip it. And then we're, we wonder why we encounter things in our relationship with God that we don't understand. Oh, it's quiet now. Because here's the thing that we have to understand, is if it's in the Bible, it's important. And just because you don't understand why it's important doesn't mean that it's not important. Doesn't mean that it's not important. So why do we skip these sections? We, we skip these sections oftentimes, let's just be honest with ourselves, is because, well, this doesn't really apply to me. I mean, how can I apply this to my life? How does this help me like, live a better tomorrow? How does this help me live a better Monday? Right? We want the Bible to be life application first and foremost. That's what we want the Bible to be. We want the Bible to be something that we can go to, we can pick it up, we can read it, and it'll make us feel better about ourselves, it'll give us some encouragement, maybe even give us a little bit of a, of a pep in our step for the next day, and that's what we want the Bible to be primarily, but you need to understand that is not the main focus of the Bible. It's not. And as long as you read the Bible with that being your primary motive, you will constantly walk away from it with less than what you should have. Constantly, constantly, constantly. Now, can the Bible do those things? Absolutely it can. Can the Bible encourage you? Yes. Can the Bible give you that encouragement to, to you know, live a better life and have better morals? Absolutely it can. But that's not its primary focus. What is the purpose of the Bible? Is the purpose of the Bible to help us live moral lives? Is the purpose of the Bible to help us have daily devotionals to, to make our days better? No. No, it's not. Now, it can do those things, but that's not the main focus. The primary focus of the Bible is this. It's God revealing himself to humanity in a special and intimate way. It is the way that we learn who God is and who we are. And from there, it dictates the rest of our lives and leads us to a saving faith in Christ. Does that make sense? Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of Christ. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Because of this, all scripture should be understood to be useful and incredibly important. Think about it. If where you will spend eternity is based on the contents within this book, wouldn't you want to know what it means? Either, either, either you just really don't care. I'm not saying you. I'm saying me. I'm saying everybody, right? Either we just really don't care where we spend eternity or we don't believe that, what, that eternity is actually dependent on what's in this book. One of the two. Because if you truly believe that where you will spend eternity, heaven or hell, is dependent on what's in this book, if you truly believe it and you truly care, you would spend time studying it. You would. There's times where I drive and I want to get to my location and I don't know how to get there, so I pull up a GPS. Want to know why I pull up a GPS? Because I want to make sure I get there on time. I don't want to get lost. 
You know, there's times where I have to get somewhere, and I don't necessarily know how to get there, but I think, I'm like, you know what, I think I know how to get there. And Kayla, my wife, will say, hey, do you want me to pull it up on the GPS? And I'm like, you know what, nah, I think I got it. And you want to know when I say that? I say that when we're not in a rush. When it's not super important. You see, everything in the Bible is important. Everything. And we get to the book of Hebrews. Some of you are like, what does that have to do with the book of Hebrews? I'm going to explain because the book of Hebrews, it's important for us to understand who the book of Hebrews is written to. The book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians. I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap because it's been like a month since we've talked about it, right? So, but the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians. So these are Christians that, they, these are people who were Jews, they grew up in Judaism, and what happens is they place their faith in Jesus, They placed their faith in Christ. They became Christians. And what happened was over time, due to persecution and hardships, they were tempted to leave the faith, to leave Christianity, and go back to Judaism. So the author of Hebrews is writing to them, encouraging them not to do so. And what he's doing is he's rooting his argument. He's saying why you should not do that, and he's rooting it in Old Testament teaching. And here's the thing, that for them, they understand all of the references that he makes. Why? Because they were raised in that. They were raised in it, right? So he says, you know, hey, when he talks about the tabernacle and the high priest and, and uh, Melchizedek and, and all of these different things, right? They're like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And they understand the connection. But for a lot of us, we read this and we're like, what in the world is going on? Like, what in the world is going on? And the reason we don't understand what's going on is because we don't understand the Old Testament, Because the writer of Hebrews understands something that we all need to understand, and that is everything in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation has a common theme, and it all is pointing to Jesus. Everything. If you want to learn about Jesus, you don't necessarily have to start in Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. If you want to learn about Jesus, you start in Genesis. You start in Genesis. I know many Christians that have a great deal of uneasiness and dread with their relationship with God. They're constantly worried. They're constantly upset. They're constantly discouraged. And I want us to read Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. And I want you to notice something. All right, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. All right, there's a few things I want us to pay attention to, okay? In verse 14, notice what it says. It says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus, the Son of God, let us. So since then, let us, right? So it's let us hold fast to our confession. All right, since then. So basically what he's saying is, I know this sounds like, what are you doing? Roll with me, all right? Since then, he's saying, what I'm about to say, because of this, this is how you should respond. Because Jesus is our high priest, this is why you should persevere in the faith, because Jesus is our high priest, this is, this is, because of that, you should, perse- you should persevere in the faith. Now, for us, here's the thing. If you don't understand the significance of that, then you have no reason. See, he's saying the reason you should continue to be a Christian is because of this. 
I would say 90% of Christians don't understand what Jesus being a high priest means. If that's the main reason that the author of Hebrews is saying, this is the reason you should continue to be a Christian and persevere, and we don't even understand what it means. That's a problem. That's a problem. But then I also want us to see in verse 16, what does he say? He says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. And I want you guys to know something. Something that breaks my heart. And it's not, I'm not angry about it. I'm not, you know, it's, it's I see a lot of Christians, especially young students and Christians, you know, it's like that love the Lord, that love God. I really believe that. Many of you, I know that you love the Lord. But what I see is so little confidence in your relationship with God. So little confidence. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? Like, I, we see, I hear this a lot. Like, we talk about like, well, you know, you know, does God like, you know, God doesn't care about this thing, right? Like, there's things that you want to pray for that you don't pray for because in your mind, like, God doesn't really care about that. God has bigger things to worry about. So you just kind of let it go. Or we kind of, we think that, we know that Jesus' blood is enough to save us, but it's not enough to keep us saved. What happens is we have so many Christians that are tiptoeing through their relationship with God because they have so little confidence. And why do they have so little confidence? It's because there's part of them, and part of all of us, that we don't fully understand what Jesus' role is. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, we say Jesus died for your sins. That's great. But what's happened is that in, in Christianity today, what's happened is we've taken these biblical truths and we've simplified them to these cliches and we say these cliches over and over and over again to the point to where we don't even know what they mean anymore. So in, in church, right, we say Jesus died for your sins. And you're like, I know exactly what that means. But if you take it to somebody who's never been to church and you say Jesus died for your sins, that makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. And we say Jesus died for your sins and then we walk away leaving them confused and they were like, I shared the gospel today. Did you? Did you? I think the person's probably more confused now than they were before. So what we want to do is we want to understand some things. How can we have confidence in our relationship with God? We can have confidence in our relationship with God when we understand what it means that Jesus is our high priest. And how are we going to do that? Well, first we have to understand what a high priest is. What is the high priest? What is the role of the high priest? So remember that Jesus, and here's something I want you to understand. Jesus is not molded after the high priests of the Old Testament. The high priests of the Old Testament are molded after Jesus. Does that make sense? Because if, if, we're, if we're not careful, what we'll see is, oh, Jesus is doing what the old high priest would do. Like Jesus is modeling his ministry and his interaction between you, him, and the Father. He's modeling it after the, after the high priest. But something you need to understand is that everything in the Old Testament was meant to be modeled to reflect Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is God. Jesus is, is preeminent before all things. And what's happening in the Old Testament is God gave the law to the Israelites to reveal to them who he is and to reveal to them how to have a relationship with him. And then we fast forward and Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. 
right? Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. So Hebrews 5, right, the very next verse, Hebrews 5, 1, kind of gives a little bit of an explanation of what the high priest did. It says, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. All right, what does that mean? So basically, the high priest was a man that acted on behalf of the people. So let's say that you're the people. What's up, people? Right? And let's say that I am the high priest. And let's say that, you know, you want to have a relationship with God. Well, here's what happens. I, I, am, the, I am the man in the middle. So you come to me, and I go to God on your behalf. Does that make sense? So what happens? If you have things that you want to offer to God in worship, what do you do? You give them to me, and then I will go present them to God for you. If you have to offer sacrifices for sins, how do you do it? You bring them to me, and then I will offer them in front of God for you. The man in the middle. That's why if you look at the sermon slide, like the title of our series of Hebrews is the man in the middle. It should be up there. Oh, it's already up there. My bad. I'm like, the back screen's different. Right? The man in the middle. Why? Because Jesus is the man in the middle. You have to understand this, right? So what happens? The high priest would offer these sacrifices. So if you wanted to offer a sacrifice to God, then you would have to give your sacrifice to the high priest, and then he would go and offer it for you. The high priest was the only way that you could commune and have a relationship with God. There was no other way. And you see, you could not just approach God however you wanted. Why? God is trying to show his people that you cannot just approach him however you want. And not only was that true back then, but it's true today. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, forever. He does not change. So what you need to understand is this. You cannot approach God however you want. I cannot approach God however I want. Why is this so significant? Because we have millions of people in our world today that are trying to approach God however they think is best. Their relationship with God is on their terms. I hear people say this all the time, right? They say there's so many ways to God. I say this as compassionately as I possibly can. No, there is not. There's not. Let me ask you a question. How do you get to the moon? How do you get to the moon? A rocket. Someone said it. A rocket. Right? But there's so many modes of transportation. There's cars. There's bikes. There's trains. There's boats. You could walk. You could run. You could crawl. I could put you in a giant slingshot, pull that booger as far back as I can, and let it rip. Right? There's so many modes of transportation. Why are you just going to limit it to a spaceship? Because here's the truth. The further away your destination, the harder it is to get to, the fewer your choices are. Isn't that the case? Right? For me to get to here to Chick-fil-A, I could, take, I could take a car. I could take a bike. I could take a skateboard. I could take a longboard. I could, I could walk. I could run. I could crawl. It would take forever. I could roll. I could have someone hold my ankles and get, do a wheelbarrow race to Chick-fil-A. I could get there as many ways as I possibly can. Why? Because it's close. It's close. It's not hard. But to get to the moon, there's only one way. 
And here's what I'm saying. When people say that there's all these different ways to get to God, it's because they don't understand just how far off he is. Their, their understanding of God is too low. See, if God was just like you or me, then yeah, you could get to him however you want, but he's not. And the higher your understanding of who God is, the more you understand that you can't just come to him however you want. You see, the further away the destination, the fewer options you have of getting there. We can only approach God one way. So how do we approach God? I'm so glad that you asked. I'm trying to fly through this because there is so much that I could say, but I'm trying not to say all of it because I don't have the time, right? And you all would kill me, okay? So thank you, right? I love you too. All right, so how do we approach God? I'm glad you asked. There's only one way that you can approach God. You want to hear what it is? Ready? You can only approach God with no sin. That's it. You can only approach God if you've never sinned. And you know what the problem with that is? Is that it eliminates everybody. It eliminates everybody. Isaiah 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Ephesians 2, 1. We can keep going. And you're dead in your trespasses and sins. I could go on and on and on. The, the Bible is clear. Sin kills the soul and spiritually separates you from God for eternity. The Bible is also clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. No one is perfect, no, not one. First John, if anyone claims that he has no sin, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. We are sinful people. And the problem is the only way you could possibly approach God is if you have no sin. So what do we need? There's a gap. We need someone to stand in the middle to make it possible. We need to be forgiven of our sins. And I've said this before, but heaven is filled with sinners. The difference between heaven and hell is that heaven is filled with sinners who've been forgiven. That's it. That's it. It's not like they're less sinners. They're sinners who've been forgiven. Sinners have been forgiven. And that's what we need. So, here's the question. How would the high priest atone for the sins of the people? I'm so glad that you asked. You guys are just like killing it with the questions tonight. See, we need to be forgiven of our sins. And I've heard this quote before. All humans know that they have something to be forgiven for, but not all humans know who they must be forgiven by. And we need to be forgiven by God. Why? Because it is against him that we have sinned. So how are we forgiven? Again, you don't, if you don't read the Old Testament, you don't understand this. Why? Because when we say that Jesus died for your sins, if you stick only to the New Testament with no understanding of the Old Testament, no understanding of the Levitical law, no understanding of how the tabernacle was put together, no understanding of the sacrificial system that is laid out in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, if you don't understand any of that, then Jesus dying for your sins makes no sense. You're just putting your faith in what someone has told you. Don't you want to know? I say this a lot too. Have you mastered the basics of your faith? Are you just kind of just kind of skating by hoping it's enough? 
Do you understand the gospel? Not that Jesus forgives you of your sins, but how he forgives you of your sins. That's important. How are we forgiven? Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for the souls, for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by life. Hebrews 9.22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. You see, in order to be forgiven of our sins, there must be a sacrifice. Blood has to be shed. This is explained in the sacrificial law of the Old Testament. The sin against a, to sin against a holy God and the giver of life is to receive death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So how will, the, how will the high priest fix this? How will the high priest atone for the sins of the people? Once a year, some of you may know this, so once a year the high priest would go into a place called the Holy of Holies. He would go into the Holy of Holies, and what he would do is he would take the sacrifice. So, like, he would take the sacrifice of, that the people gave, and he would take it into the Holy of Holies, and he would present that sacrifice. He would offer, he would offer sacrifices for, here's the thing, though. He would have to offer sacrifices first for his sins. Why? Because he's a sinner, too. He had to offer sacrifices for his sins. Then he could offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. So even though he was a mediator, there was still this distance because he could only go in there once a year. And have you noticed that there's no animal sacrifices in Christianity? Why? Because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus was the one sacrifice that did not, see, they sacrificed over and over and over again. And Jesus was the sacrifice that was one sacrifice for one time for all people. Jesus was perfect. He never sinned. He was the spotless lamb, and he was capable of paying the full debt that you and I owe. He took the wrath of God upon himself while on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to. No longer do we need to continually sacrifice animals. Rather, our sins were forgiven in one moment, in one instance, in one final sacrifice by Jesus on the cross. See, Jesus is not only the one presenting the sacrifice as the high priest, but he is presenting himself as the sacrifice. Do you see that? Not only is Jesus the true and better high priest, but he's the true and better sacrifice. So what does he do? He goes into, and here's another thing. Not only did he have to, see, the high priest could only go into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, once a year. But where does Jesus reside 24-7, 365? He sits at the, the right hand of his father. So our high priest doesn't go in once a year. I, our high priest is in the presence of his father 24-7, continually interceding for you and for me. Do you understand what that means? That every moment of every day, while you are sleeping, he stands next to his father, showing the, hand, the scars in his hands and the scars in his feet. Why? Because he is your high priest. He is my high priest. And he presents himself as the sacrifice. He stands in your place because he died in your place. The high priest would offer sacrifices, but here's the thing, not just any sacrifice would do. If you go back and read the law, 
There were specifics for the sacrifices. They had to be spotless. They had to be a spotless lamb. Not, not, only, here's the thing, not only can we not approach God however we want, but we can't approach God with any kind of sacrifice. If you read the book of Malachi, God makes this very clear. We must approach God with a proper sacrifice. Otherwise, the sacrifice is rejected. Well, what was the evidence that the sacrifice was accepted for the high, pri- for high priest in the Old Testament? The evidence was that the high priest would walk out alive. That's how you knew. The evidence that the high priest's a sacrifice for the people was accepted by God was because he lived. He could, when he entered into the Holy of Holies, he is in the presence of God. He cannot sin. He cannot present an, a faulty sacrifice. Why? Because he would drop dead. So what would they do? They would tie, typically, they would tie a rope around him, let him go in, and if the rope went, then they would drag him out, get a new high priest. Why? Because God is Holy. He is holy. What did I just say? You can't approach God unless you are spotless. Unless you're spotless. So what did he do? He enters in, and what was the evidence that God accepted the sacrifice? The evidence is that he walked out alive. Okay. So taking this idea of Jesus being our high priest, how do we know that his sacrifice was accepted? How do we know that Jesus' sacrifice was acceptable? Great question. Acts chapter 17 says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all. How? By raising him from the dead. You want to know how we know that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was enough? It's because he rose from the dead three days later. He's not still in the tomb. That's how we know. Just like the, we, the high priest's sacrifice was validated as appropriate and sufficient by him walking out of the Holy of Holies, Jesus' sacrifice was confirmed as being appropriate and enough and sufficient for you and for me because he walked out of the tomb. That's extremely significant. So when we say that Jesus is our high priest, this is what we are saying. We are saying that Jesus, the Son of God, is the mediator between us and the Father. We can only approach God based on Jesus and what he has done on our behalf. When I pray, I pray in Jesus' name. Why? Because I am a sinner, and apart from Jesus, I have no way of accessing God. So what do I do? I go, on, I go on the basis of Jesus and who Jesus is because Jesus is sinless and spotless and he died in my place and he presents the sacrifice for me 24-7 to his father. And it was an acceptable sacrifice because he lives. That's what being a Christian means. Not saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner, please come into my heart. Yes, you know what, you can do that, and if, and if the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, and you know what, cool. But just praying a prayer, or going to an altar, or even getting baptized, does not save you. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and for me that gives us a standing before God. 
And I wish people would understand this. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why? Why, why, why? Because he's the high priest. He's the only way. You see, the high priest in the Old Testament was never supposed to be the long-term solution. He was always a foreshadowing of a greater high priest that grants us access to the Father. And here's the thing, because Jesus grants us access, there's so much I wanted to say tonight, but I don't have time. I might just split this message into two weeks, I don't know. But here's the thing, because Jesus is your high priest, and not me, not a pastor, not a church, not your parents, Jesus, if your faith is in anyone other than Jesus, it's not enough. I can't get you to heaven. If you're, wait, if you're depending on me to get you to heaven, you're, you're in bad shape. If you're depending on your parents' relationship with God to get you to heaven, you're in bad shape. You know, who you, will, you know what will happen when you stand before God one day? You will stand you. God's not going to ask, you know, were your parents Christians? Were your grandparents Christians? No. Was your faith in Christ? Was Jesus your high priest? But here's the thing, because we have a true and greater high priest, you know what that means? Is that we have assurance. We have confidence. Why? Because I know that my relationship with God is not based off my goodness. Why? Because it's based on the goodness of Jesus. Here's what I'm trying to say. Stop trying to be your own high priest. Does that make sense? You know, I talk to a lot of students, and I've seen this happen multiple, multiple times, where a student, I won't see them for a long time. They won't come to church for a long time, and then eventually they'll come back. And I'll be, hey, man, like, what's up? I miss you. You know? And we're just like having a good old time talking and catching up, right? You know, and I talk it to them, and, and ultimately what they end up doing is they end up telling me this, and, and this, happened, this has happened, I know, at least three times. And they said, you know, I, while I was out, I, I just, I started, you know, living, like, I just started doing stuff I knew I shouldn't have done. I felt like I, I couldn't come back. I felt like if I came back, like, I just shouldn't, right? Like, so I was just, I just stayed away. You know what that is? That's that person trying to be their own high priest. Trying to approach God on their goodness. Likewise, Maybe you're in this room. When I talk about forgiveness of sins, some of you are like, you know what, not me. Maybe other people, but you don't know what I've done. And you're right, I don't know what you've done. But here's what I do know, is that you've, there's not a single sin that you have done that's more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Not a single one. And when you say, you know what, like, like I don't know, like this isn't for me, like God, God can't forgive me. You know what? You don't understand who your high priest is. Stop trying to be your own high priest. When we say that we are placing our faith in Christ for salvation, we're saying that I'm not trusting in my works because they're useless. I'm not trusting in my ability to offer a sacrifice because it will never be enough. I'm trusting that because 
of this, that God has made a way that my sins are forgiven. I'm saying that when I stand before God, I stand before him as one that has been clothed in the perfection of Jesus so that when God looks at me, he sees the high priest. He sees the man in the middle. He sees his son. And here's the thing. If you are truly a Christian and you have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what you can be assured of is that God will never reject you because for God to reject you means that he would have to reject his son. For God to reject you means that he would have to reject his high priest. Here's the thing. It's not based off of you. If you're not a Christian, here's what I ask. Stop trying to earn it. Even if you are a Christian in your room, stop trying to earn it. Have confidence. Enjoy your relationship with God. You should. But I have so many people that are not enjoying a relationship with God because they put all the pressure on themselves. Constantly trying to earn it. Here's the thing, guys. If your faith's not in Jesus and what he did for you, then you need to get there. You know, we're going to close in a song with a song. And the song is Before the Throne of God Above. And what it's talking about is before the throne of God, I have a high priest that's interceding for me. And when we're singing this, I want you guys to really understand what it is that we're singing. You know what? Because the confidence that we should have as Christians comes based in the fact that Jesus is our high priest. Does that make sense? Thank you again for listening to the Central Students Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net slash students.